welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Right, we are here now with the Manchester City season review. Of course, speaking with Richard Burns, you can find on Twitter at Richard the Burns. You can also hear his dulcet tones over on the Blue Moon podcast. Richard, I gotta imagine this is gonna be the happiest one of these review segments I do this season. I'm sure you're aware. Manchester City are champions. Broke, I believe it was six records uh, in the Premier League. I'm sure you can touch on that in a second. But before we get into all of that and the celebrations and everything, we'll start with the final match against Southampton. 100 points on the line, just couldn't find the back of the net for the majority. What was your view of that one? Yeah, it was uh, it, it was really frustrating for a large part of the game. Uh, I, I went to Southampton on Sunday, and I think everybody went there with the, the expectation that City would win. I got speaking to a couple of Southampton fans outside um, who we'd overheard a dad talking to his son, um, talking about whether how many of our star players would be playing and they were so sure of staying up that granted a large a very small sample size but those Southampton fans were were really keen to see the likes of David Silva who obviously wasn't there but in uh, De Bruyne and to really see the star players um, and the, the whole thing had a bit of an atmosphere of just waiting for City to do the business and, and take that 100 points obviously we already had the most uh, the, the highest point record in, in Premier League history but that 100 points I think what we started to see it as, apart from being a magnificent achievement, was it would give us a tag to hang on to. So obviously you have like, when you think of great United teams, you have the treble winners. And when you think of other great Premier League teams, you have the Invincibles, uh, the, the Arsenal team. It's a tag that sticks. And so I don't think anybody would forget this City team because of how good they've been. But now it's a reference point. And whether the Centurions tag that City are using it sticks or not, or whether it'll just be the, the 100-pointers or whatever, um, it's a quick reference point now for, for how good City have been. And so as sort of time was ebbing away at Southampton in a really dour game and, and, and in truth not a good performance, um. It was just, a, it, to me, it felt a bit flat. There was no great sense of tension, but just, a, well, it's a shame to finish the season without taking that one final record, that, that, that little feeling. And then De Bruyne plays that pass. And he'd had a, a really off game, De Bruyne, but, but that ball to Jesus was absolutely sublime. And his, his Jesus' finish was magnificent. But because we were quite high up behind the goal, from my perspective, I thought he'd hit it over. So... Then to see it hit the back of the net, or you know, go over the line, it was just a just a really, really instant burst of euphoria, and it was just it was very fitting for this season, really, because it was we've had a lot of last minute wins, and it was one final record, one final achievement that that marks us out as arguably the best ever champion, uh, the, the best ever champions of England. Uh, the, the numbers do back that argument up significantly. Uh, and it was it was just perfect. It was in hindsight, much like the Aguero moment six years ago to win the league. Uh, in hindsight, though, it makes for a frustrating game. It is the it's the perfect way to round the season off a last minute winner, uh, and it was it was very very fitting. How much does it mean to City fans that, that not only have you won the title but you've broken all these records on route? A lot. It means a lot because um, we know that. I don't think anybody's naive enough to think that winning the league once, no matter how well you do it, 
that that is the mark of a great era. And we, we hear all this stuff all season about to to be a great team, you've got to back it up. You've got to defend a title, which no one's done in the Premier League for a decade. You've got to start winning Champions League. It's got to be multiple trophies a season, which obviously we've done a double this season. Um, but for us... As a fan base, OK, yeah, we can look forward to all that. We can think about how it's going to go next season and, and will we finally defend a title? Will we have a better summer than we've had in previous years where we've won leagues and then uh, really done a, a, quite a terrible job in the transfer window? But just for now, just for pure enjoyment, we all know what we've seen this season. Those of us who are fortunate enough to watch this side every week, um, it, it's been something special. And what the record starts to point at is the the quality of football i know numbers can only do so much to highlight that but when you see um highest number of goals um one of the best your know, best goal difference and so with it one of the best defensive records a, a particular you know the, i think the best defense in the league certainly this season um most ever wins by an english top flight team uh, just nicking that off spurs in the 60s um all of it really begins to point at just how exciting this team has been to watch. Uh, and so it's it's just given us memories that will will last us a lifetime. And if we don't win the league next year, if this isn't to be a great era um, or, you know, a dynasty, which I find hard to believe, I think it's, it's set up for uh, for City to um, to dominate the league for a, for a while now. But you never know what's around the corner. Um, but it, we've still got, a, we've got a great, great season to hang, our, to hang on to. And to commit to the memory banks and to to tell the children and grandchildren about sort of like our parents told us about the the Lee Bell and some of the years. This is a it's just been absolutely magical and it means everything to City fans, particularly. And I, I don't want to draw on about this too much because it's it always comes up. But you've still got a, a whole well many generations of fans here that can remember some very dark days at City and the drop to the third tier and being two 0 down at Wembley in a playoff final with only um, with about 30 seconds left on the clock for normal time. And had we lost that game 20 seasons ago, then, oh, sorry, uh, 19 years ago, sorry, then we'd have, we might never have come back from it. And instead, we stand here now, obviously as a, the record-breaking champions of England, having played a, a brand of football that's not quite been seen in the Premier League before with, in my opinion, the best manager in the world, certainly some of the best players in the world. And it is sort of pinch yourself to believe it stuff so yeah it means it means absolutely everything yeah you mentioned uh some highlights there of the season and i realize this is a harsh question but if you could pick out one moment from the season that stood out among the rest what would it be um i think to nail it down to a moment actually it is probably quite easy um which might surprise you because there's been plenty but just as a, as a an indicator of how many great games and great moments has been. There was, I remember a, a conversation with my girlfriend in March or so, maybe approaching the Champions League quarterfinal. And I was, she's not a football fan. I love her. And she, she, <laughs> she puts up with it. Um, and I remember saying to her, whichever game it was, it was approaching. I was saying, but this is a huge game. Like if we win this, it might be the biggest game I've ever been to, or it, it, it might be the biggest win I've ever seen, or or after other games I say, God, this was one of the best performances I've ever seen. And I remember her turning to me and saying, but Richard, you say that every week. <laughs> and I thought, you know what? I probably do at the moment. And that to me was a little highlight of just how many great moments and great games there's been and how many things to look forward to. Uh, but to absolutely nail it down, I can't look beyond 
Sterling stoppage time winner against Southampton uh, in, and pr- I think it was late November. It was certainly that time of year when the nights were closing in and starting to get games under the floodlights. And much like the Southampton away game, it was it was very frustrating. We'd taken the lead. Southampton were, believe it or not, I think maybe the cleverest team that came to the Etihad in the league this season because they did at a time when nobody else could do it, when we were in the midst of the record-breaking winning run. Uh, Southampton came to us and they weren't interested in the ball, not even a little bit. They sat so deep and they didn't go hunting for it until uh, City were in the final third. And it was a great way of conserving energy, which nobody else had worked out how to do against us. And they didn't get pulled around. But then in the 97th minute, Sterling gets the ball on the edge of the box and bends it into the top corner to keep that winning run going. Um, and that was, I mean, I've already used this word, so forgive me for not being imaginative with my, my language, but it, again, just absolutely euphoric. Um, I, probably a noise that I've not heard at the Etihad since Aguero's winner in 2012, since he won us the league. And it was just a the biggest release of emotion. And it was maybe that more than anything made us feel invincible. And you could start to see from that point, teams were teams were beaten before they went on the pitch. And it, it felt very much like that thing that Fergie's United used to have, where you knew that unless you were two goals up in stoppage time, that game was still open. Um, and and we've, we've done it a few times since as the season's gone on. But that one, it was so unlikely. The, the position the goal was scored from was so unlikely that Sterling would score it. Obviously, as a lad, he's not been renowned for his great finishing, but that one was. Uh, and yeah, it was. It nearly lifted the roof off the Etihad. Uh, and it was a it was a great night after that. So uh, yeah, that was probably the single most special moment of the season. Maybe other than Jay Rodriguez winning us the league at Old Trafford, but given that City weren't directly involved in that, I'll. Uh, I'll stick to the Sterling goal. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> As we <laughs> joked before, J. Rodriguez should probably get a winner's medal. He should have a statue, outside, a statue outside the Etihad, Kev, for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you obviously have a very young core now. It, it was largely what's happened over the last two summers is trying to get younger. Um, because of that, do you think that this team will just continue to go from strength to strength? Yeah, I think... I do think it will get better. I think the the age of the squad is is key in that. There's so many young players. Um, Edison, who's 24 and has the potential to be the best goalkeeper in the world and certainly in, in playing style, is absolutely perfect to City. He's, a, he's an entirely unique goalkeeper in the Premier League. You've got, uh, obviously, Sterling and Sané, young 20s, who are already exceptionally talented footballers. If they improve at the rate that they should do, then we've got, and particularly in Sané's case, I think, uh, two world-class footballers there. Uh, obviously, Gabriel Jesus up front is 21, 22, um, and phenomenally talented. And he has still got, to be fair, he has got a long way to go yet uh, to to really hit top level. But he's already very, very good. So if he improves at the at the rate he should do, then very, very promising for the future. Uh, there's a good mix of experience, company, Fernandinho um, and the like, phenomenally experienced and still very, very talented. Company's issue is, is just keeping him fit. Um, Stones and Laporte uh, will uh, are the intended future of that defence. We'll see how that one works out. But Laporte looks an extremely good signing. 
Um, and then you've got the players who are sort of in the middle of that, like De Bruyne, who we've all seen this season. He's up there with the very, very best players in the world. Um, could could have won the PFA Player of the Year. Um, arguably should have done, but it's, it's hard to argue against Mo Salah, to be fair. So there's, there's so much talent in that squad. We know that we've got Pep for at least a season, um, a season further. My belief is that he will sign an extension for probably for one year. Um, and so, yeah, they, they've made good on the promise so far. Now they've got to, to build on that. And I do believe they'll get better. Pep's history shows that after his first season at Barcelona, when he, he absolutely swept the board and won everything, that team improved. It doesn't mean that we'll get more than 100 points next season. It doesn't mean that we'll win more than two trophies or anything like that. But you will see an improvement in this team's style of play. And the real interest uh, is to see how they develop tactically and then to see how the league keep up um, because each team can only affect City twice a season so United will probably improve under Mourinho you never know his third season syndrome is going uh, to affect him but they might improve Liverpool are clearly going to be a dangerous opponent if they can they're a very very good cup team if they can just get more consistency in the league then they could really really challenge City you never know what might happen with Chelsea um, and Tottenham uh you know, we'll see what happens there, but they're a very, very good team. But each of those teams can only affect us twice a year. And so it'll be interesting to see collectively how the league start to work City out. Because they will do. City are going to have to, um, they're going to have to be on the toes. I don't think they can expect to just walk into games. You know, they, they, they literally start from zero in August. And... The Premier League is full of shrewd managers who will work out different ways to, to play against or to close down space. And I don't think anybody's going to start walking into games working out how to, uh, how to boss possession against City, but they will work out how to blunt City. Um, mm-hmm. And that will be interesting to see. Uh, it, you know, if I had to put money on it now, I would still bet on City to, to win the league uh, with games to spare. But I just I don't think it'll be as easy as they've made it look this year. But it's such a contrast to that to say that while saying I think the team will improve. Um, it's it is also a contradiction, isn't it? Hmm. Um, but I suppose it's how they then manage all four competitions because I would hope that next year they won't get knocked out of the FA Cup by a League One team, for example. Um, you would hope that they've learned lessons in the Champions League where. Perhaps made very few mistakes this year, but he made a massive one at Anfield by uh, putting Gundogan on the right and completely unbalancing the team, gave us no chance. So, yeah, the expectation, I would say, has to be, and the hope has to be, that we defend the title um, and stick as closely to the same sort of style of football as possible. Mm. Um, I'm I'm intrigued to see how it improves, because I just think it has to individually there's so many players there that have room for improvement that the the team has to improve around that as well. Yeah, I'm curious uh, to hear what you made of the improvement from last year to this year. Do you think that was just kind of like inlaid in the foundation that Pep did lay last season? Or were there some some changes to what he was doing this year that led to this record-breaking season? I don't think in his coaching he did anything wildly different. I do think it was a case of the squad that he started with clearly wasn't... Um, wasn't really up to playing his style and doing what he wanted to do. The fullbacks we had last year were Zabaleta, um, Klichy, Kolarov. Uh, clearly, clearly not up to the job. So 
uh, and Claudio Bravo wasn't um, didn't end up being the keeper that Pep thought he was signing. So I think his coaching has remained the same, but the key signings, Edison and, and Walker, really made a huge difference to the way City played. Um, the fact that we had a fullback who could get up and down the line, uh, very talented up front, very good at defending. Um, we should have been saying the same about Benjamin Mendy on the left as well. But obviously injury curtailed that. So seeing Pep uh, put Delph at left back and then, and then Zinchenko and that working out brilliantly. Um, I, I think that, that kind of recruitment and different use of his resources uh, was was key really. But I think the on, strictly on coaching and getting that squad to uh, adapt to his ideas and getting that to assimilate was, I don't think he did anything different there. I think it was just the the benefit of time and then having another full summer to work with them this season. Because at the end of last season, City were, were in very good form. They didn't lose after the FA Cup semi-final, uh, and that was only done in extra time. So if you took it as 90 minutes, defeat, uh, defeats over 90 minutes, they actually didn't um, suffer too many in the second eight, but certainly the back half of last season. Um, so I think the, we were starting to see the signs then, and this year the recruitment has just made such a huge difference. Yeah, I definitely think uh, that, that Pep has done a, a fantastic job. And I, I think he did win the official Manager of the Year award the other day, yeah? He did uh, from both the LMA and the Premier League. He won two. Ah. Yeah. Well, was, there you I, go then. Yeah, I think it had to be that way. Um, I think in only there's only been three previous occasions where the league winning manager didn't win manager of the season and two of those were the previous two times City won the league so um, as much as like the likes of Benitez and Sean Dyche have done great jobs and I do get that we're talking about very different situations but when you've got in Guardiola a manager who's just achieved a winning record that has never been done in this country before a points total that's never been done before even when you were just the um, the old era when you only got two points for a win. If you adjust that to three points, still nobody gets to a hundred. Um, nobody scored this amount of goals before. If you really can, if you're comparing that to Sean Dyche, who yes, seventh was a great achievement, but that's a Burnley team that went eleven games without a win. Uh, you know, that's almost a third of the season. Um, it becomes harder and harder to argue against Guardiola, I think. So. Uh, I think it was the, the absolutely the right um, the right award given mm. there. Yeah, uh, before we can look forward too far, uh, though, as we were doing with projecting how Guardiola is getting better in the youth of your squad, uh, first you kind of got to let the, to quote Kylo Ren, you have to let the past die. Um, <laughs> and uh, with that comes uh, the departure of Yaya Torre, obviously a massive figure uh, in the history of Manchester City. Uh, what what do you make of his contributions to the club throughout and his departure now? Is I mean his departure is absolutely right because he's I mean he only started one league game this season and that was uh, one born out of sentiment to make sure that he got his, his proper send off against Brighton. Uh, but his his contribution to uh, to City in his eight years here is. Uh, it's beyond comparison. Nobody nobody has made the same contribution as Yaya Torre. Um, I, I heard it said recently, and it's a point that I completely agree with, that David Silva is our best player ever. I think that's generally accepted at City now. Uh, but Yaya Torre is probably the most important because 
or certainly in this in this era, because the goals that that guy has scored, if he just went off goals alone, the FA Cup semi-final against United when uh, in 2011, when we hadn't won a trophy for 35 years and United were there ready to be the team that kicked us down again and would have gone on to win the FA Cup, they would have beat Stoke, they would have done a double that year because they won the Premier League and it would have just been another case of, um, of City falling uh, comically and they didn't. His goal, his goal changed everything. And then to do it again in the final against Stoke for another 1-0 win, um, I, I don't really think it's an exaggeration to say that that goal changed. It changed City. It, it, it changed the whole club. It changed the perception of them. It gave them a foundation to build everything else on because there was tangible success. For all that promise, for all the money spent, for all the big-name signings, they actually had something tangible now. Um and something to further sell to players are like, look, this is where we're going. We are a trophy winning team now. Look what we do in the big moments. And then a year later to back it up again with his two goals at Newcastle that um, that set up the final day against QPR. Uh, that Newcastle game was was falling away from City a little bit. And it was around, it was certainly after 60 minutes when he got the first goal. And then 13-14 only the second midfielder ever in the Premier League era to get over 20 goals in a season. Um, big, big goals. And then at Wembley again to score the, the final penalty against Liverpool in 2016. Uh, the League Cup final in 2014 when City were pedestrian in a stagnant game against a really bad Sunderland team. Um, he decides he's going to just place the ball in from 35 yards and changed everything. I mean, Yaya scored goals that lifted the weight of history off City. Um, and that I, I do think changed the whole club. Um, he had a, a mentality different to almost any other player. He's a born winner. Uh, and, you know, it's been a mutually beneficial relationship. City have been very good for Yaya Torre too. Um, but this era... He he's synonymous with this era in Premier League football now, and when you think of this as City's golden era, which it really is, uh, Torre's name is Torre's name is there every step of the way, apart from this season, which is why it's right that it's come to an end. But um, I hope it's not soured. I, I hope that his agent doesn't come out and make any offhand comments about um, about how this season's gone and about his lack of playing time. I suspect uh, that. He will do because he struggles to keep his mouth shut. But in strictly plain terms alone, Torre is an absolute colossus in City history and will be remembered as such. And his uh, his farewell was very emotional. It was, uh, to be honest, a, a little bit choked up watching him walk off that pitch one final time. Yeah, uh, other potential departures uh, on the player side. Who Who else do you think could be finding themselves near the exit door? Uh, that's a tough one. So I think Claudio Bravo, possibly, if we can bring in a good number two. Um, I mean, Bravo isn't a good number two, but you can't just let him go with no replacement. We've got um, Angus Gunn out on loan at Norwich, who I believe, I'm not going to lie and say I've seen loads of him, but I think he's had good reviews uh, this season. I think he's impressed people, so maybe he'd be a good number two. Um or whether they go and source another one, I would imagine Bravo will be leaving because he's just not up to the job. I know he won the League Cup and did all right in it, but he's still got mistakes in him. Um, with the return of Mendy, that is going to knock Delph and Zinchenko down the pecking order. I think there's a very good argument to say we don't need to sign a left-back and we can keep Delph as a back, as, as the secondary left-back, in which we're still getting plenty of, of game time, I think. 
On the other side, Danilo hasn't worked out as hoped. Um, as a fullback by trade, and one that cost us twenty-five million, to find himself behind a mid behind two midfielders uh, in contention for a left back. Zinchenko. Yeah, to find himself behind them in in the left back slot. And I know he's not a he's not a natural left back himself, but he is a full back. So that game should come more naturally to him than it does to to the other two. Um, suggests that he's not going to be troubling the first team too many times next season. Truth is that although I wouldn't say he's looked terrible, and I think it would be unfair to judge him too much without a a lot without much without um, a run in the team. The fact that he's not had a run in the team probably speaks volumes. So, uh, and he's never going to muscle Kyle Walker out of that team. He would need a um, he would need Walker to be absent for a long time for him to get a run at right back. So he might look to uh, for a move to somewhere where he's going to get more game time because I think he he had a similar experience at Madrid and it's all well and good hanging around big teams. But at some point, a footballer got to want to play, and uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if he moved. And we could probably recoup the money for him. Um, and other than that, it gets harder. Uh, then you're into what the Aguero situation is going to be, and um, I don't. It, that's a very hard one to speculate on. Uh, you would hope he stays, and he's had a very good season, but you never quite know what that relationship with Guardiola is like. So, other than that, I don't really see many many departures. It, it becomes who we're going to recruit. I think we need two signings, and then work on the contracts for Sterling, Sané and Jesus and, and get those those three absolutely tied down. Mm. Um, could be a departure from uh, the managerial side. Um, obviously not Pep Guardiola, but Mikel Arteta, I believe is your number two at the moment, uh, being linked back to Arsenal this time potentially as their manager. Uh, what would you make of that and do you sense that coming? I think it's highly possible. There's a lot of noise has been... Uh, generated around that since the weekend, uh, certainly since Allegri confirmed that he'd be staying at Juventus. I think the the odds have shifted massively to Arteta. Um, he is, and Guardiola uh, said he sort of said everything without saying anything really when he said that he would never. He wants the best for his friends, and he'd be very sad to see Arteta go. But he's a friend, and he would never deny him deny him an opportunity. Which, when somebody's speaking like that, suggests that the opportunity is there. Um, it would be a shame because I like the idea of Arteta staying on the coaching staff and maybe, maybe taking over from Guardiola in future because that that certainly seemed an option for City. He's he's very very highly thought of on the coaching staff, very highly thought of. Pep, um, I think Pep's a big fan of him and how he has helped contribute to the team's positional play and the possession play. Um, and he made a comment recently, Guardiola, who doesn't really give praise easily. And he said, I, there's, been a, there's been a number of occasions this season when Arteta has been taking the warm-up before the game and he's come in and said to me, um, said to, to Pep, that he knew we were going to have a good game today because of how the players had been in the warm-up. And, and Pep said that it always transpired that was to be the case. And he said it's quite obvious that he's got a, a great eye for how things are going to pan out. Uh, so... When you're getting a reference like that from Pep Guardiola, who knows a thing or two about coaching, you can see why it'd be appealing to Arsenal, who are clearly looking for a, a coaching model with a, a CEO rather than having a, a manager like they had in Wenger. Arteta obviously does know the culture of the club. Um, and you would think by being on Guardiola's coaching staff, he must have 
the principles to carry on in that um, that style of football that Arsenal want to continue with that Wenger's embedded there. So it would be a risk, but he's clearly got ideas and ambition beyond being a number two or a coach, just a coach. Um, and so maybe it would be the perfect fit. So from a selfish perspective, I'd love us to keep him and, and maybe work him towards being city manager one day. But if the opportunity is there, it's extremely hard for him to turn down. And I would, um, I'd wish him the best with that, really. Uh, what kind of negative impact would that have on Manchester City? Uh, well, you've got to think that at that level, replacing a coach isn't quite like replacing a manager. Um, and you've got the, you know, you've got the the coaching structure is still there. So I don't think it would send us into some kind of spiral of decline. Uh, but certainly you, you want an element of consistency. And if, if something's working well, you'd rather not change it. But for all that is highly thought of, um, you'd hope that he's replaceable as a coach. He's not the main decision maker. Uh, other, you know, Pep's worked with plenty of coaches in his time and he, he's got the backroom staff there that he already trusts. So if he needs to bring in another coach, uh, I'm sure he'd find a an able deputy and one of the things that United always did brilliantly was how many different number twos did Fergie work with in, in his era uh, and you know uh, Carlos Queiroz, um, Brian Kidd was one of them, Steve McLaren and that was always a way that he actually kept things fresh so maybe it would give Guardiola a chance to freshen things up. I'm sure he'd rather not have to, but just to keep people on the toes and, uh, and bring some new ideas in and, and stop anybody resting on the laurels um, maybe there'd be something to be said for that, to be fair. All right, and then uh, just to wrap up with, we, we mentioned this a little bit earlier about what you're expecting next season. Maybe another uh, title would certainly be uh, something you would desire, but what will expectations be, uh, do you think, for Pep and the squad and then from the fans next year? I do think the expectation will be to defend the league. I think that that will be the key one. Um they're obviously continuing with the style of football, evolving tactically um, to make sure that we don't get complacent, that we don't get worked out too much. Like I said before, I think teams will find different ways of dealing with City, but Pep is pretty good at staying one step ahead of the game. So I think as long as we can, we don't find ourselves getting easily frustrated by teams or anything like that, then I think we'll see another season where we don't lose a whole lot of games. I would expect us to win the league next year, but that's with the caveat of you don't know what happens over the summer to, to other teams. Um, and then beyond that, it's looking to win a trophy alongside it. The League Cup is a good one to have, but it's not the most prestigious. Um, I would love another FA Cup because not having one since 2011 in this era where we've won the other domestic trophies multiple times, uh, I'd love us to add a, a, another FA Cup. Um but then obviously, the Champions League is the big one. I mean, I don't see it as the most important one, but from a prestige point of view, from a position of winning something that we haven't won before and it's the only thing that we've got left to win, other than the Europa League, but if we find ourselves competing for that, then something's gone wrong. Um, yeah, it's, it's taking steps forward in the Champions League, but I always think that's a very hard thing to measure because we could reach the semi-final next year, but without having a game as difficult as Liverpool. Or we could finish second in the group, but that might be a group with Real Madrid in it, which is 
hard to compare to, you know, is that a backward step from winning a group that this year uh, didn't have a team with that strength in it? So I always think the Champions League is hard to benchmark year on year. This year, we've got two teams in it who are a long way from being the best teams in their own country, but have made great cup sides. So it's just, it's so hard to set an expectation for the Champions League. But that said, uh, I'd, I'd like us to win it. <laughs> Um, and, and doubling that up with the domestic league would be absolutely perfect. Um, but for me, it's about it's about learning in that competition. It's about not making the same tactical mistakes um, with without getting too bitter about it. You've got to have a bit more luck with decisions than we had against Liverpool. They weren't the main reasons that we lost, but we were denied a clear penalty, had two goals disallowed that shouldn't have been at key times and conceded a goal that was offside. So you do need a bit more luck than we got. Um but yeah, win the league again and then look for some kind of improvement in the Champions League. Uh, but I'm not the man to benchmark what that improvement would be. Mm. Well, uh, for your sake, I hope Manchester City do well. For mine, I hope it isn't winning another title. Um, but it certainly <laughs> wouldn't be surprising based on the club's trajectory at the moment. All right, Richard, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, why don't you tell the folks where they can find you? Yes, I am on Twitter. My handle is at Richard the Burns, where I am usually either saying how good City are or laughing at United's misfortune. So if that's your bag, catch me there. Um, I'm also on the Blue Moon podcast. The Twitter handle is at Blue Moon podcast. Um, that won't start up again until next season now. But we have just finished with our end of season live show that was um, that was recorded at a bar in Manchester with an audience of... Uh, of City fans, uh, so you can hear that we had ex Manchester City player Nicky Weaver uh, on the panel with us, which from uh, from a personal perspective he was one of my childhood idols. So that was great. Um, and again, if that fits you, um, that might make a worthy listen. Um, and other than that, I write for uh, one article a week for Yahoo. Although again, that is on a on a summer break now, so uh, I'll have to reinvent my Twitter content for the summer. Mm -hmm. But feel free to give me a follow if you would like. <laughs> you could always just start tweeting six again. Uh, all right. Well, definitely nice uh, chatting with you, and I'm sure we'll speak soon. Yeah, cheers, Kev. Uh, cheers for, for this season. It's been a blast as always. Mm -hmm.